Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Samp and Chance. Guys, today on this episode, we have a living legend, international superstar, Jacques Rougeau. You might know him as the Mountie as well, or a part of the Quebecers. He joins us today on Samp and Chance. We're going to talk about his career, his beginnings, and we're going to talk about all the great stuff that he's doing today, including Russell Academy. So sit back, strap in, and thank you for letting us into your ears. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Stamp and Chats. I am your host, Bobby Sampson, and joined with me a very special guest. Ladies and gentlemen, I introduce to you Jacques Rougeau, former Quebecer, the Mountie, international superstar. Mr. Rougeau, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Sampson, it's a pleasure for me, especially coming from Vancouver. Always nice to be in touch with Vancouver, but I must uh, correct you right off the bat or just... Uh inform you that uh, you forgot in your introduction the fabulous Rougeau brothers you know and I, I with was my just... brother Raymond and th that was an amazing time also with Jimmy Hart as my manager absolutely and, uh, so, so so those three characters went did really well actually worldwide for about 10 years in the WWF and they're 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 all the characters that I did that I really had fun with they were really good characters and stuff so anyway nice to be here today Samson Absolutely. Thank you so much. And yes, as soon as you said that, I remembered Raymond as well. I remember, I mean, obviously, I grew up with you guys, you know what I mean? Being in Canada, you know, having the bread heart and whatnot. But then when you guys came onto the scene, you know, that Canadian pride filled up even more. And being from Montreal and myself being a Habs fan, um, you know, that that was even better for me. So, you know, I was completely behind you guys and I love the work that you guys did. But Jacques, I know you grew up in Quebec and you had Grand Prix wrestling and all these great promotions out there. But what was it for you that got you interested in the business? Well, my father, and my uncle, they, they owned the business here in Montreal. It was uh, actually competition with Grand Prix wrestling. It was called Les Arts de la Lutte. And uh, so they were all, they were owners. And uh, so I could tell you, I was brought up from a young age, from when I was four or five years old. I used to have Abdullah the Butcher and Joe Duke come to my house because they were maining, main eventing against my dad and my uncle at oh, the wow. Forum in Montreal. So they'd come over and talk the match. And uh, guys like, oh my God, Bobo Brazil and uh, Rufus R. Jones. And I'm just going over the Sheik and I'm going Ivan Koloff. And I'm going like, that was all around me when I was young, a very young age. And they used to even come around the pool and uh, and talk business with my dad and my uncle. So, so I was kind of just thrown into wrestling when I was young. It was just... For me, like I'm a, actually I'm a third generation and my sons wrestled also. So they were fourth generation. So it's been a family thing all my life. And uh, so it's not nothing new to me to, to, to see wrestlers come around the house there, you know. <laughs> no, phenomenal, phenomenal. So you were in competition with Grand Prix Wrestling and they did a lot of great things as well. So what was that? Was it a fierce competition between the two groups or did you guys work together? Well, no, we didn't work together. It was like really competition. In those days, there was Les Arts de la Lutte and there was uh, Grand Prix Wrestling and they were fighting for the market. Yeah. And, you know, so it was a big battle, a little bit like WCW and a little bit like uh, AEW right now that's right. gaining a lot of grounds and uh, uh, trying to fight with WWE. But uh, there's always it, it, competition is good, though. 
He seeks his competition, even though it was against my father and my dad, and I hated Grand Prix and everything about it because they were working against my dad and my uncle. Right. Today, I realize that it was very good for the talent because, yeah. you know, as long as you have competition, the promoter's got to take care of you. Because exactly. they know if you don't take care of you enough, then you're going to be going to the to the next company. Right. So on. so 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 competition is good for talent, and it always makes the it brings the best out of both. Because you know they're all instead of just sitting on a a winning station and a winning program and just uh, taking it easy, they always got to compete to be better than the other one. So it puts everybody on their toes. Yes. So yes. So, so 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 it's good for everybody now that uh, now that you look at it from 40, 50 years later. No, hundred <laughs> percent. Um, I mean, you grew up in the independence and in the in the territories and and everything like that. So you've literally seen the business evolve and grow and and become what it is today. This this global machine, probably more so with the WWE, obviously. But I mean, ultimately, your thoughts on the product today as as a third generation wrestler. Well, I'm going to surprise you now, Samson. I'm really mm. going to surprise you because about thirty years ago, I had a falling out with Vince McMahon. Okay. And uh, and I turned the TV off. And in 30 years, I've never watched one TV show in 30 years. Oh, so wow. I don't even so I don't even know the talent. I don't. Okay. The only talent that I do know is uh, is Kevin Owens because I'm I was his teacher. He was 14 years old, and I taught him how to wrestle from 14 to 18 years old. Yes. I was training him like six hours a week, and uh, so I know him. And then I know also uh, guys like John Cena because I watched the movies and my students because I had a wrestling school in Montreal. They told me, hey, did you see the movie so-and-so? The John Cena's in there. Oh, okay. But uh, apart from that, then I, I knew Chris Jericho because Chris Jericho was there in my last years when I was in the WWF, WWE. Yes. Yes. He was there. But uh, but apart from that, uh, all these new talent that, that are on TV, I don't know. And uh, so... Um, I hope you won't be talking about them too much. I'll look like a fool because I don't know. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. I did. Not, but I, not had a, at all. I, had this, I had this huge falling out. And for me, watching wrestling on TV was like a scar every time. And, you know, but but it's funny because I do Comic-Con still today now around the world. And I go sign autographs and meet the fans. And it all, I'm just so happy because I don't know if the fans are just being nice to me or they're just being real, but they're all telling me, that the best wrestling there ever was was in the 80s and the 90s. You know, that was the best time for wrestling at the times that I was there with the WWF, the, the WrestleManias and the, the Pontiac Silverdome in front of 93,000 people, the Macho Mans and the Jake the Snakes and the Ricky the Dragon Steamboat and the King Kong Bundys and the Kamalas and the, the right. Rockers and the Heart Foundation. And the, so, 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 so those were the good years. The Tito Santana could go on, Coco Beware, Hacksaw, Jim Duggan. Those were the years where where people come up to us in Comic-Con and they keep telling us, it's so funny, like uh, wrestling is so much more uh, personal in those days. Like people had so much more attachment to the characters. Like everybody was different. It was in the, it was in the days where less was more. Like, you know, you do, today you're, uh, they're all telling me like they're doing a thousand moves in, in 10 minutes. And, you know, it's like uh, it's more like an acrobatic thing or the most spectacular one where in our days it was storytelling. Where yeah. you know we we could before starting a match before doing our first lockup we could spend five minutes in the ring just working the crowd and and, and having fun if you like and the, so there was so anyway uh, so I was there in the good years I think no hundred percent I completely agree with you like I mean obviously I've stayed with the product a lot of people like yourself I mean for different reasons or what have you kind of grew out of it but I just stayed with it man like I for me it was Stampede Wrestling that caught my attention it was. Um, 
Red Heart and Bad News Allen, they came out. I remember I'd never seen wrestling before. I saw that segment. Stampede was just finishing and I was hooked. That was it for me. After that, I, I think it was four months. All I ever watched was Stampede. I didn't even know any other promotions existed. And then all of a sudden, WWF showed up and UWF showed up. NWA showed up on TV. And I'm just like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And yeah, you're right. Uh, today's wrestling is very, very move-oriented, very spot-oriented. Uh, the greatest story that's being told right now is probably the bloodline with the Roman Reigns story. Um Otherwise, everything's very quick today. You're right. Absolutely. I'd have to agree with you. That is the correct I, uh, I actually started my, my career in it was Stu Hart in the Stampede Wrestling in 1977. Yes. And then that was my first territory. I went back in 78 also. And I actually, when I went there in 77, Brett was driving the bus and he was refereeing. You yeah. know, that's when I did. that was my first year was in Calgary. And, uh, and and going to Regina, Saskatoon and going. And it's so funny because on the 25th of uh of July coming up in a couple of weeks from now, in a week from now, uh, I'm going on a tour in Saskatchewan oh, wow. uh, with with Danny Danny Warren, I think is his name, the promoter there. It's uh, okay. and I'm I'm going on a tour, Prince Albert, Saskatoon, Regina, and I'm going to sign autographs before the wrestling shows. And it's been and will have been something like uh, well, I was there in '77, '78, so count the years up till today. Yeah. So that's almost like 40 years, uh, if wow. not more. It's, uh, how long has it been? If you count uh, 80, so it's 45 years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, uh, I was in those towns, and now I'm going to go back to sign autographs. I haven't been there since. That's so awesome. So it's going to be amazing for the fans to go back and see the, the fans there. So just check out my website if you want, or check out the uh, the wrestling in Saskatoon there, the whole tour on the 25th. Absolutely. Come and see me if you're around in that area. Absolutely, yeah. We'll I'll be put dressed that out up. There. With, I'll be dressed up with my Mountie suit there, and uh, and uh, I'll have some fun to take pictures with everybody. That should be really cool. That's amazing. I I, I will we'll get that once we see that information. We'll post it to our pages and make sure everyone is aware that where you're going to be. Uh, so I guess I have to ask the question: How did you become uh, a part of the WWF? Then how did that work out for you? Well, you know how Vince started his his big business in the '80s. Is he uh, he went to recruit the best wrestlers of every country, of every province, of every uh, of every territory, and he went to, and and I, we were lucky, my brother Raymond and I, that uh, we were considered the best at the time, and uh, so he went to recruit us, and uh, so we end up in the WWF in '85. Uh, we went to sign there in '86. Actually, we started a tour in Australia. It was so funny because, you know, you used to go in like uh, example in Calgary, Monday left bridge, uh, Tuesday Red Deer, uh, Wednesday Edmonton, right. third, traveling around like that. And we do that in Montreal, you know, and uh, the territory in Quebec. And next thing you know is uh, the first night you're in the you're in Adelaide. The next uh, next night you're in Perth. The next night you're in Brisbane, and then you're in Sydney, and then you and then we went to Hawaii, and then we went to. So we start going around every day. We were doing like flying every day between three and six hours of airplanes every day, and sometimes more. Twenty five days a month on the road, you know, in, in a row, and that's uh, twenty five nights of wrestling in a row to go back home to see your family for like three, four days. And uh, so, so we were chosen by Vince to do that. And, uh, and he didn't miss the boat because uh, we sure uh, pulled our, our end of the deal there. Like, you know, we would uh, had so many great matches, you know, with, uh, with the rockers and the hearts and uh, I'm thinking of Jesus, uh, the bushwhackers even, and I'm thinking of the, 
the the, the moon dogs uh, when they when we first started there and yeah. the, but we, we'd always go in the ring and we'd we'd have the people on their feet by the end of the match and and so 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 that was really something that was amazing so so we both were winners in that deal there yeah yeah so what was your time like there then you you traveled the world and in tag team champion intercontinental champion um, unfortunately, it seemed, as I recall, and I'm just going off my own memory, you lost the title pretty much the next night, right? Two days. I was the shortest-lived intercontinental champion, and it's so funny, Samson, because yeah. everywhere I go for Comic-Cons, they all bring me pictures and dolls where they have the belt with me. You know, and I'm, and, and I'm the shortest-lived, like two days at the time, anyway. It was the shortest-lived, but it seemed like I marked it a lot because when I beat Brett the Hitman Hart and gave it to Piper... It was like a, it was it, it was a time where I think that the intercontinental title meant something, right? You know, and and and, and so everybody who was champion in those days, it meant something, no matter how long, because the proof is thirty five years later. I go and like I said, I'm signing autographs, and every picture I see, I got the belt, and I'm going like, Jesus, don't you have any pictures without the belt? Like you know, and, and it's so funny. So 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 I must have marked the people somehow. So so yeah, unfortunately. Well, I mean. Again, it's in the top of my memory. I haven't, you know, I I just remember you having the Intercontinental title. I mean, I remember the match. I remember all of it. It was just like yesterday, right? So And, and, and it's amazing because, you know, I was lucky in my career. I, I had some really great matches. I'm, I'm thinking of the big boss man jailhouse match I had with the, the loser that spends a night in jail. Right. And that was such an amazing match. And I everybody talked to him. I was lucky I had a couple of... Uh, I had a match where I beat Hulk Hogan in Montreal. I'm the only Canadian actually to beat Hulk Hogan in Canada, nice. and, and you know with a clean pin. Mm -hmm. So that was amazing for me. I've I've had the I've had Jimmy Hart as my 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 wrestling manager twice as the fabulous Rougeau brothers and, and as the Mountie and and Jimmy Hart one of the greatest managers of all times. You know mm -hmm. and. Uh, and people ask me sometimes, well, why do you say that, Jock? Because he was your manager? And I say, no. I say that because he was the only manager, the only one out of all the managers that I knew at the time that would come on the air and would say, when he'd start the interview, he'd say, hey, let me tell you something about my man. Let me tell you something about him. And it was never, he would never take the spotlight. He would never come in and say, hey, let me tell you something. I'm intelligent. I'm the brain. I'm this. And it was never about him. It was always about his, his personality, his character that was with him. When mm -hmm. you had Jimmy Hart as your manager, you'd always feel so important. Like, you know, he treated you. And then he'd, he'd dress up like you. He'd buy some coats. He'd make some matching clothes with you. He did the two best wrestling themes that are still alive today. That people come 40 years later and they start singing, I'm the Mountie, I'm handsome, I'm brave. And then, or they come to me and they say, We don't like heavy metal, we don't like rock and roll. Oh, we like to listen to us, Barry Manilow. Hey, we're all American, all American. And you know, so those, that was Jimmy Hart. Yeah. That was all Jimmy Hart. So, so Jimmy Hart, when you had him as your manager, that was the best thing that could ever happen to any wrestler. Wow. Jimmy Hart is ageless. I, I looked at him recently. He looks the same. Obviously, he's aged, but I mean, the man looks phenomenal. He's still kicking. He's 80 years old. He goes sign autographs. I meet him in Comic Cons all over the place. And every time we'd, hey, how you doing, Jock? Hey, how you doing, Jock? You know, hey, baby, how you doing? Baby? <laughs> Absolutely. <And> you know, <laughs> so he's a machine. <laughs> so, Jock, I have to ask you this. And I've not been able to, I, we had the Bushwhackers on, but I know they never had a manager per se. So I could never ask this question. 
back in those days, what was the actual role of the manager? Was it just an on-screen personality or did they actually have more of a role as an actual manager? That's another reason why Jimmy Hart was the greatest one because they didn't have any other role except to be on TV, be your manager, and then okay. go on TV. It was a except Jimmy Hart wasn't. Oh. Jimmy Hart was the kind of guy that would come up to you and would say, "Hey, Jacques, listen, try to get there early tomorrow, you know, because there's a spot open, and I think we could get on early. We could do this and get the work done, and I think, and hey, Jacques, you know this, and hey, Jacques, that, and he was always really working." For me, like he was a personal manager in life, always doing things and saying things that would make me and put me in a better position in life, you know. And to, so he was acting like a real manager, never paid for it, but mm -hmm. always doing, giving advice. Hey, Jacques, you know, you know, even a couple of years back, like about, uh, I'd say about seven, eight years back, uh, I was doing signings. And, and then at one point, you know, uh, uh, Jimmy Hart came to see me, said, Jacques, he says, why don't you have your suit on, you know, like to do the signing? And I said, well, if nobody else has. And he said, Jacques, you got to put your suit on. He says, the people recognize you like that. You know, they see you and they recognize. And ever since then, seven, eight years ago, I started putting my suit, especially the Mountie one, yeah. everywhere I go. And I got my hat, my glasses and everything. And when I see Jimmy Hart now, he always looked at me and said, Jacques, you look great, man. You look great. And I realized that when you're in line and you're in a tank top like this and you're in T-shirt like that, 30 years later, you don't look the same way you did. But when you put your gear on, people are in line on the other lines around you. And then next thing you know is they're about three, four lines beside you. And they're pointing at you like, hey, the Mounties over there. Look, the Mounties over there. So that brings a lot of more people around, you know. So, so Jimmy Hart, that's the reason why. Jimmy Hart, he never had a job as being a real manager in life, only on, on scene. But he did so much more. Oh, wow. Fantastic. Now, Jacques, I, I want to talk about this a little bit as well, because I think this is really interesting uh, point, because this is you lived it. Uh, kayfabe. Uh, yeah. we, we know it doesn't exist anymore, but you lived the business at the height of kayfabe. Most of your work was done at the height of the kayfabe. Talk about mm -hmm. that. What was it like in the locker room with with everyone at that point? Because I know everyone was true to their characters. Um how, how did that work backstage with everybody? Well, I think when you come to say that, the biggest thing that comes to mind was like, I remember ever since I was very young in the dressing room, my, my father's business and my uncle's business and my brother's Raymond's business, it was always like, uh, it was more like for the newspaper guys. It was more for the people that would come in the dressing room that had no business there. And as soon as they'd walk in with the two rooms would communicate the heels and the baby face. And they had this, they go in the shower and talk about their match and stuff. And, and then you'd have the, the, or you'd be at the office uh, at the building upstairs, you know, uh, in the afternoon when the guys would meet and then a security guy would come who had no business there. Uh, yeah, the first thing you'd hear someone say in the in the hallway is like, K-Fabe guys, K-Fabe guys. Like, in other words, split, now separate, because yeah, yeah. there's this guy that doesn't know that wrestling's fake here, you know, and he doesn't know he's not part of the deal here. So so it was more like that. You had reporters that come around in the dressing room that night. You'd have – so every time you'd have – or you'd have a time where uh, – even like a lot of the guys would travel, the heels and the baby face would travel together, but they would drop the guy off a block before they get to the building or the arena and stuff like that. But sometimes they were stopping at a toilet or something on the way or something. And then one guy would come close, you know, a Mark would come close by accident. He'd be there and he'd say, hey, how you doing there, Jacques? And then in the same car would be a. Uh, Pat Patterson, my opponent, you know. Yeah. So so we I'd get out of the car real fast and I'd say, K Fabe, Pat, K Fabe. So so Pat would put a towel on top of his head, uh -huh. you know, and I'd go talk to the guy. 
So it was really religious and it was sacred at the time that yes. to try and protect the business, you know, that uh, not to expose that uh, that it was fake or that it was a work. I I remember when I finally realized it, the business, like I finally got smart to it. It was at a house show here in Vancouver, Yokozuna versus The Undertaker casket match. Uh, very quickly, Yo Taker won. Everything is beautiful. But at that time, unfortunately, they didn't cover everything in the back, right? So they just had the curtain and the rod. And where I was sitting, I could see them walk in to the back. So I saw Taker leave. He, sorry, Yoko came out. They rolled him out in the casket. I watched it. They came out. It opened. He came out and he's standing there. And then Taker does his thing for the crowd at the end. He came out and he's walking to the back. And I'm looking. And there's Yoko standing there. I'm like, Undertaker, Yokozuna's behind there. Wait, look, watch out. Yoko's there. <laughs> he didn't listen to me. He walks in there and they hugged each other and, you know, uh, did a fist bump. And I saw the that. The Claus is not real. <laughs> At that point, if you can physically see my heart. Just <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know. I'm... And I saw that and I'm like, I'll be honest. I didn't watch wrestling for four months because I was just so devastated because sure. I, right. I just like all, all of a sudden, everything for eight years. I believed it was good against evil. And then I started to realize, okay, I, now I get it. But you know what? It only took four months and I got over it and we're back in the action. But I want to ask you about Pat Patterson, sir. Well, hold on a second. I want to tell yeah. you a story, Samson. Yeah. I'm, 12, I'm 12 years old, 13 years old. And, and I'm not even smart to the business. I'm a kayfabe myself. So kayfabing me all the time, you know? Yeah. And, and so so I, uh, I'm going to an arena one night and my father broke his leg the night before and he had to perform that same, the next day. Right. So he didn't put in a cast. He just had a lot of uh, antibiotics and, and a lot of painkillers. And he, and he went to do the show the next night, but he was going to finish it with a knockout. As soon as the match started, the guy goes to jump and knocks him out. And so, so my father comes up to me and he says, listen, he says, when you come to the ring with me, he says, I want you to come to the ring with me. He says, I'm going to give you my, my robe. And he says, when I give you my robe, he says, uh, Michel Justice Dubois, Alexis Smirnov, he's going to come and he's going to offer to shake you the hand, his hand. And I look at my dad and I said, well, how do you know that? Like, you know, like, 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 how do you know? And he says, just listen to me. He says, he's going to, my father was in pain really bad. It was yeah. almost like a way out to, to save the show. Yes. So he, so, so, so he decided that night that he was going to put me smart, you know? So, so he says, he's going to offer to shake your hand. He says, when you go to shake his hand, he says, don't worry, he's going to slap you in the neck. And he says, just fall on the side of the ring and and, and don't worry about the rest because my father's going to knock him out and go with a one, two, three real quick. So 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 I looked at my dad and my dad was my hero at the time. Yeah, yeah. You know, he was my hero. And I was so disappointed. I was so hurt, you know, and I didn't want to watch wrestling for, I think, like you said, for, for a couple of weeks or I can't remember how long. And then finally I started saying, well, there's another side to it. At least now, you know, I'm in, you know, I'm in the group now, you know, yeah. and uh, so I got over it. But it was such a disappointment when my father asked me to be a part of his his, his night there, you know, his storyline, you know. But uh, so I understand. Yeah, it was. I'm sorry. I didn't want to bring that in, but it was just that uh, you bring no. back souvenirs. No, no, absolutely. But at the same time, while you were telling me this, I started to think a little bit about the experience myself. And the thing I realized, so once I realized what we love is what it is. I started to see it differently. I started to notice more now. Now I'm watching how guys throw their punches. I'm starting to notice facial expressions more. It wasn't just a fight anymore. Now I'm starting to see the dance. I'm the starting to 
understand the ballet between the two participants or all the participants in there. And everybody plays a role. You know what I mean? It, it, in I was just so happy that I was part of the group. Now. Yeah. Like, you know, I was. I was in. Like, you, you were know, in. <laughs> Absolutely. That, that, that was cool. That Absolutely. Was cool. But to take it back, I was going to ask you, uh, t tell us about Pat Patterson from your experiences. Uh, a wonderful yeah. man, you know, just a, yeah, you know, a great, great man. Pat Patterson, a great man. Pat Patterson uh, worked against us in Quebec for a long time. Him and Pierre Madeg Lefebvre, him and Frenchie Martin against me and Raymond. We had great matches. Easy guy to work with, fun to work with. I worked singles with Pat. I had so much fun. And then, and then Pat became a right-hand man for Vince McMahon in WWF. And then I was in Pensacola working uh, some small territories at the time. Yeah. And then and that's when he recruited me, Pat. He uh, he he asked me to go do a show in Verdun, Quebec there. And mm -hmm. uh, the first show ever in WWF. And he was going to opposition to Dino Bravo and my brother Raymond and all them and Ricky Martel. So I wasn't working with him anymore. I had a conflict with Dino Bravo. So he went to get me in Pensacola, brought me in main event for WWF. That night it was the main event of the whole big card against Samu put me over in the middle of the ring of the crossbody block it was a great time and then after that they they, they i just I, I made my point clear to dino like hey you better use me or i'm gonna i'm gonna be gone i won't come back and so dino called me back and everything so i worked that summer back at home gave me the belts gave me everything i wanted but then vince kept calling me for like you know vince and pat they kept calling me for like i'd say eight months and I kept telling tell 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 my friends like tell them I'm gone in the boat, tell them I'm gone in the boat, I'm not there. And I was really hard to get, you know, I was playing hard to get, but I didn't want to go. I, I had my boat, I had a beautiful life, I was champion in Quebec, I was making money, I didn't want to go. And I knew there was all full of steroid heads and crazy people in New York, and I, I, I didn't I didn't want to. And then finally, uh, they 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 really uh, really after hassling me, hassling me, and then he said, listen, Jock, he says. Name what you want," he says. "We we we want you." Wow. So I said. So I said, "Okay." I said, "Well, I want five thousand dollars a week, and I want to bring my brother Raymond with me as a tag team." So they said, "You got it." So that's when I talked to Raymond, and then we decided. Then then he decided to come, and uh, we decided to go, and uh, so so it was. That's how we. Uh, but Pat Pat Patterson had almost everything to do with that. I think, you know. So so. Uh, that's phenomenal. Um. So. You've had 40 plus years of the business all the way from your early childhood. How's the body? Body? Fantastic. But in terms of, yeah, you look amazing. You look amazing. I got about 10, 15 pounds in the stomach to lose. But apart from that, I'm really strong. Legs, traps, shoulders. I'm doing cardio every day. I'm, I'm really having fun still in life. Last year, I had a hard time with my body. Last year, I had a wake-up call. Right. Uh, last year, uh, the invincible, the untouchable Jacques got touched. Yeah. And uh, I had a series of problems with my body. Like uh, I had a uh, the uh, paratheroids that are these oh. four little rice yeah. rice pieces there that are behind the thyroid glands. Mm -hmm. And those four things, what they do, the paratheroids, is if your body is short in calcium, those four little rice things, the size of a rice thing. They go in your body and your bones. They get the calcium and they bring it to your body. Oh. But the opposite could happen, which oh. happened to me is my paratheroids, they started producing calcium. Oh. Like they went berserk. So I end up having big stones, like kidney stones, Ouch. like bladder stones, big like golf balls. They keep coming into me. So I had one operation, another operation. I had a, I had a tube coming out of the penis. I had a tube coming out of the ribs. I had a, and they, they were operating me up. And then finally they, 
They found out they, that it was my parathyroids that went crazy. So they operated me there, and then they found a cancer in my throat. Oh my so they so they cut off a cancer in my throat. So that's all happened in the space of three months. And then on the last day of my three months, when they finally cut, took two of my parathyroids out, which you have four, they yeah. took two out because I was producing too much calcium. Yeah. So so then it would stabilize, stabilize everything. So the last day I go to get the tube out of the side of my ribs here, that was because my kidneys were, were, were dying because of this yes. and because of the stones and everything they were blocked. So 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 the last day they came and get my stone out, I, I caught a bacteria in the hospital. Oh my so, so 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 this bacteria went to launch itself right at the entrance where your heart the blood goes in your heart. But it was like oh. a little Christmas, a little Christmas decoration, but right yeah. in front of where the blood goes in your heart. So then they start talking to me. I've been in the hospital for like two and a half months. And then they start talking to me about an open heart surgery because they had to go get that little gland, that little thing that was hanging, dangling there in front of you. And I was going like, what? Open heart surgery? I'm in shape. And it was just freaking me out. Everything was freaking. So, so, so finally, the antibiotics, they did the job. It disappeared. And they didn't have to cut me open like a lobster. But to tell you for two weeks that they're going to cut you open every day, they don't know what day they're going to cut. It was like... The, I finally realized like Jacques, you're touchable. You know, you think you were untouchable all your life and shape. And so, so, so perspective changes in life. And that was last year. So now everything's under control again. I'm back in shape again, but you know, what a wake up call, you know, mm -hmm. what a real wake up call to see that everybody, you never know when your time could come, you know? No. And, and so, so, so what an experience. And uh, it was so funny because I also did last year, the mask singer, you know, uh, yeah. I was on the mask singer, the Quebec mask singer. And, and, and I was in the hospital and they were pulling me out. I was pull, pulled out of the hospital to go sing and to record uh -huh. my song and to go dance. And then I had my tube in my everywhere inside of me. It was so funny, but I was under a big costume. So no one knew. And I was a lobster. You know the yeah, big yeah. so so it was like uh wow what an experience and uh, and then it kept me kept me going though because I love to sing I'm uh, I love music yeah. and uh, so so that was a great experience we started with twenty uh, participants I ended up being eliminated when there was only eight left so I did four songs that's awesome so, so that was fun it was really a great experience and at the same time because of that exposure. Then I got Videotron, which is the biggest, biggest cable company that hired me and my sons and my girlfriend to make a commercial on TV where, awesome. you know, it's the Internet going through the wall. But then yeah. it's really me going through the wall, you know, and saying and I look like an idiot there. I come to the guys in my office. He says, OK, Mr. Rougeau, your Internet's ready. So mm -hmm. I said, and he goes right through the wall. So I look at him and say, right through the wall. And then I turn around mm -hmm. and you see me go right through the wall. And then my girlfriend, she's sitting in the living room, with my kids. And I go like. And I'm going like, hey, honey, the internet goes right through the wall. You know, that's awesome. <laughs> but, that, but that commercial brought me a lot of money, brought me a lot of uh, fame, a lot of uh, visibility. Mm -hmm. So, 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 so with that, and the, and the lobster, the masked singer, my, 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 uh, my merchant value came right back up again. So, 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 so that was great. And it was good for the Rougeau family. It's great. And uh, plus my brother Raymond is the mayor now of his city. So he's yes. all over the news all the time. Yes. So, so the Rougeau name is very much alive in Quebec right now. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Kane, Marin, Tennessee and Raymond, Marin, Quebec. That's beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. I like to just segue here a little bit if I can. And uh, talking about competitions and, and what have you, 
today you are training wrestlers and you actually have a competition happening yourself right now called Wrestle Academy. Uh, actually, we have a clip. I love to show that clip. And then after that, maybe Let's we can it. talk about it a little bit. Let's do it. Fantastic. Guys, gals, here we go. Wrestle Academy. With many participants eliminated from the competition, the tension rises for those remaining in Jacques Rougeau's Wrestling Academy. C'est le temps de voir l'élite de l'élite de Lutte Académie de Jacques Rougeau se diriger vers le sommet de la montagne. It's time, like the Macho Man used to say, the green rises to the top, oh yeah. Préparez-vous, on s'en va en demi-finale. Get ready, we're going to the semi-finals. Il y a 19 personnes toujours en lice pour gagner l'un des trois prix de 10 000 there's 19 participants still aiming for one of three prizes of $10,000 in one more hope and three months at the Nightmare Factory with QT Marshall, Cody Rhodes, and Billy Gunn. Voici la carte des combats du 22 prochain au Club Soda de Montréal. Here are the matches scheduled for August 20th at Montreal's Club Soda. The King, Brandon Bright, versus the Lion Warrior, Bobby Sharp. Combat à trois, triple threat match. The Salsa King, John Gonzalez versus Jesse Beaver versus Jefferson James. Nikita versus Zoe Sager. Combat trois contre trois, three versus three tag match. Stephen Maines, Gabriel Savage avec Michael Plou. Jörg Hackett with Sugar Shane Pinto versus Maverick Wheeler, Sean Moore, Clutch JCB. Combat by the kid, tag team action, Casey Spinelli, Relentless Riley Rose versus Cat Bonnie's, Sandra Lee. Michael Richard Blaine versus Chad Daniels. You can watch the quarterfinals on Triple you can watch the quarterfinals on www.wrestling-academy.ca Avez-vous vos billets pour la demi-finale au Club Soda? Do you have your tickets for the semi-finals at Club Soda? Trop tard, too late. Mais vous pouvez acheter vos billets pour la finale du 17 septembre sur le site du Club Soda. Mais faites vite. But you can purchase your tickets for the September 17th finals on the Club Soda website. But do act quickly. And there you go. What a wonderful video. What a great clip. Uh, the semifinals are coming up on August the 20th. Tell us about Wrestle Academy. Where did this idea come from? We're, so amazing. We're coming so up amazing, this... Samson. I have so many things to say. I'm so excited. Thank Let's you go. for showing the clip. No, Thanks thank for showing you. the clip. It's the greatest thing that happened to me in so many years, you know, and uh, after COVID especially, you know, and closing my wrestling school before that and finishing wrestling with my kids, my three kids stopped wrestling. So wrestling was out of my life again. And what a depression, you know, wrestling has been with me for like uh, 50 years. So it's like, you know, it was like losing a big, big part of me. And so, so, so here's how it happened. So during the COVID uh, I'm doing, I started doing podcasts. So you see these podcasts here, Rujo podcasts, yeah. because there's nothing else to do in life. So my son and I, we decided to do a podcast. And what I'm doing is I'm using my notoriety 
to, to, to bring in stingers, hockey players, and uh, Georges Saint-Pierre, GSP. From, I bring in all the people that I met in my career, and I'm bringing them in my little home, my little tiki. I got a little tiki like it's down south where they have tiki bars and stuff, yeah. so I have a tiki. Nice. And I got my podcast in there. And, 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 and then I get this girl that comes in, and, and she is the winner of a TV show uh, of a singing contest, and, and it's called Star Academy. So, so, so this was like a contest where they'd recruit all kind of, of singers from across Quebec, and every week they would eliminate them, and, and the last one that would win, she would win the grand prize of going at the Bell Center to sing with Celine Dion. Oh, wow. You know, and on the same stage as her in one of her concerts. So that was her one. So I went, wow. So so she was explaining that in the podcast and she was so nice and everything. And then when she left, I looked at my girlfriend. And I said, what if we do a wrestling academy? You know, what if we recruit wrestlers from all over Canada? I'll find sponsors to buy the airplane tickets and we'll get sponsors to buy hotels and we'll bring them in to Montreal and we'll start competing. So so we'll flip a coin to see who wins and who loses the match. That's not important. So what we'll do though is we'll we'll vote on their on, on their interviews, on their wrestling abilities, on their looks, on their charisma. And we're just gonna have judges by the ring. And after each match, we're gonna go ahead and decide who we keep and who we send home. So 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 I'm thinking, so so we start putting this together. So I find four sponsors of five thousand dollars for the winners. Like one woman and three men. And then I'm saying to myself, I'm saying, I need something bigger to catch everybody in, to bring everybody in. So so then one day I get this idea. I, I, I have this guy that tells me about the school in Atlanta, Georgia, called the Nightmare Factory, owned by QT Marshall, Cody Rhodes, and Billy Gunn. So I'm saying to myself, you know, wouldn't it be great? You know, I have an idea. So I I call, I get QT Marshall's phone number, a guy I don't even know because I don't know the talent for the last 30 years. I don't know who he is. So I call QT Marshall on the phone and he answers because it was me. Because he knew me though. He knew that because he he was brought up in the wrestling business. So he knew who the, the fabulous Rougeau brothers, the Quebecers and the Mountie was. Yes, so sir. when he got me, so I was on the phone, he says, he says, how are you doing, Mr. Rougeau? I said, uh, QT Marshall. I said, listen, I said, uh, I, I I don't know if you know me or not. He says, sure, I know you, Jacques. I said, okay. I said, well, listen, that may make it easier. I said, I have a favor to ask you. I said, I have four winners this year at the end of September that are going to win a contest. And I said, I'd like to make them feel like superstars. So what I was wondering is if my four winners, with my four winners, I'd like to rent a, a truck or something, a bus in Montreal, and I'd like to drive down to Atlanta, Georgia, to your wrestling school, and spend the weekend there, and have you guys evaluate them, like a, like a teach them maybe one lesson, and and mm-hmm. maybe do and let do interviews with them, and help them out, make them feel like superstars, right you know, and be, being around the talent, the big talent there. Jake the Snake was there. There's a lot of guys that were there, so so just make them feel like they're important. I said I'd yeah. like to. And I do a lot of publicity for the Nightmare Factory if you want at the same time. And then and that'll be for the weekend. He says, I'd love to do that. So that's how it starts. Awesome. So I, I so I put a group chat and, and I'm re, and now I'm starting requests all over Canada from Vancouver to uh, Prince Edward Island. So the, the 10 provinces I'm sending into the local federations, the Indies, like, hey, if you want to join this contest, we'll pay your airfares, we'll pay the hotel. And there'll be no salary. You're not going to be paid to wrestle because it's a contest. Yeah. But it won't cost you anything. And you have the chance to win $5,000 plus spend the weekend at the Nightmare Factory. So so I'm getting starting to get some. I got 19 inscriptions from Canada. Yes. And I got 21 from Quebec. Wow. So there was more in one province. My province was more than the other nine provinces. So 
So I understand that people didn't believe in this, like winning 5,000 and winning this. There was a, and plus there was a lot of haters out there against this project. You know, there's a lot of jealousy in wrestling. And so, so I, I got more inscriptions in Quebec only. So we did the contest. And next thing you know, is uh, about three, four months or into the contest, I'm, I'm starting to use my notoriety. So I'm starting to do podcasts in Australia and Europe. I'm doing podcasts all over the world about wrestling academy and this. So now people are starting to hear about it in the wrestling world. So, so, so next, and I'm getting exposure, giving a lot of exposure to the talent. So next thing you know, QT Marshall writes to me about three, four months later. He says, Jacques, I got to speak with you. So I thought, so I said, oh shit. I said, I think I got some heat there. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was talking about the nightmare factory all the time. And, and they said, so, so I called him up and he, he says, Jacques, what are you doing? I says, well, what do you mean? He says, well, he says, my phone here in Atlanta is red. He says, I'm getting calls from everywhere. I'm getting calls from all around the world. People that want to write, they want to come and join the nightmare factory. The haters are calling me. Wrestlers are calling me. You have a lot of haters, Jacques. I said, yeah, I do. He <laughs> says, you know, but he says, I could make my own decision. So he says, listen, he says, why don't we, instead of the, you bring your, your talent in for the weekend, why don't I take him for a whole week? Oh, wow. So I went, wow. That's three, four months into the project. I'm going like, wow, this is awesome. I've got my group chat. So everybody that subscribes to 41 subscriptions, I said, hey, I got good news. You're not going for the weekend. You're going to spend the week there. That's awesome. That's awesome. You know, so everybody's excited. So about six months goes by. Because now we're nine months before we get to the competition. So, sure. so about a month before we get into the competition, QT Marshall, I'm doing a podcast in Montreal with Nick Drosis. And I'm and that night I'm asking, and since there's so many haters blasting me about, you know, ah, Jacques Rougeau's lying about this and about that. And so I'm going, so I call QT. I said, QT, would you mind doing me a video? Just to, just to, to show that it's true that what I'm doing here, that yeah. it's legit, you know. So he says, so I get on Nick Podcast and then he sends the video. So so Nick Podcast says, Jacques, I received a video from QT Marshall today. I know there's a lot of people that don't believe what you're doing, but here it is. So and he says, Hello everybody, my name is QT Marshall at the Nightmare Factory. And I just want everybody to know you're hearing it from the the horse's mouth right now that Jacques Rougeau's winners of Wrestling Academy are gonna come and spend three months here at the Nightmare Factory. I did what you did. I went like, I looked at my girlfriend. I looked at, and he gave. He just decided he was going to give three months lesson for wow. my winners. Wow! So then I put that. So then I put that on every podcast I did. I showed that I was so excited and everything. And next thing you know, about two weeks before going into the show, he starts deciding that uh, my four winners are also going to be on AEW Rampage and Dynamite for the first day in Toronto. The first time the AEW comes to Canada, the first show. So if you go watch the uh, the, the the archives, yeah. you'll see that Jeremy Prophet and Jessica yeah. Black are the first match that ever appeared. Those are two of the winners of Montreal that yeah. appeared. And then Matt Black and also, and also Chris Dillon from the Maritimes that won. They were all on Dynamite and, and yeah. Rampage. And, and and so that happened. And the next thing you know is, is this guy in Australia that I did a podcast with owns a company, LJN uh, f Figures. So so he decides after the podcast, he's seen this get so big. He says, Jacques, he says, I'm going to do four figurines of your winners. Wow. <laughs> so have your own dolls. Like, you know, isn't that yeah, amazing? That's so, amazing. So, so now that, that whole, and every time we have a show in Montreal, we only have four shows, the quarterfinals, two times, mm -hmm. semifinals, and then the finals. It's only four shows during the year. Right. May, June, August, uh, May, June, July, and August. And and so, so when that happens, Every time we have a show in Montreal, there's a match that happens, 
And then we go on the giant screen and from Atlanta, Georgia, because of technology, QT Marshall shows up after every match and he eliminates the people. Oh wow. You know, so he's yeah. the one eliminating the people. So 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 that so that became so big that this year when I actually last fall when we had the second season, when it was over with, we gave the money to everybody. They spent three months in the nightmare factory. Well, that gave a lot of credibility to the competition. So everybody starts saying, Hey, that 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 shut up a lot of haters, you know, and it's like so because it happened. And yeah. then when it went to AEW and everything happened, they got the figurines, they got the money. So this year, when in November, when we had the subscriptions, contrary to last year, where I had 21 inscriptions in Quebec and 19 in Canada, this year I had 11 in Quebec and I had 60 in Canada. Wow. wow. And you should see the talent. Well, you just saw a little bit of it now. Yeah. You should see the talent. Go on wrestling-academy.ca. Wrestling Dash again, and you can go see all the first quarterfinals on there, the two shows, because we're yeah. moving up to the semifinals. But you can also see all the talent that's participating. You can click on their picture, and then you'll see a video of them talking and then wrestling, also their best moves. So you get to know them a little bit. Right Plus, on. if you go down a little further and then down on the, on the website, you'll see all my old timer friends there. You'll see Undertaker, Bret Hart, you'll see uh, Ric Flair. There are everybody. You'll see Tito Santana. I can't name them all. Ronnie Garvin goes on and on and on. Jeff Jarrett. And they all do videos to tell the Canadian wrestlers, like, hey, this is the greatest competition. Go check this out. So so this has got bigger and bigger. So this year, I remember last year when it finished, the next day I told QT Marshall, I said, I said Mr. Marshall, I just wanted to say thank you very much. for." And, and he told me, he says, are we doing this again next year? Mm. <laughs> and I said, and I said, wow. For sure, and then that's when we, we this year we have the ten thousand dollar winners wow, instead of five thousand, awesome. and then not only that is last year like QT Marshall was there in the finals only on the giant screen. By the way, the right. first three shows I was the judge with a couple of commentators and we eliminated them, and at the finals QT was there for the finals. But the, when we finished last year after the show, he says, "Jacques, there's two things I want to change." He says, "This year." I want to choose the people that, that may send subscriptions in. It's not up to you now. It's, I want to do it with you. Right when on. you come at the Nightmare Factory to see your winners this fall, I want to choose with you. And the other thing, too, is I don't only want to be on the giant screen for the finals. I want to be there for the quarterfinals, the semifinals, and the finals. So we became like his little pet project, yeah. if you'd like. Yeah, and yeah. and so, so now it's just absolutely amazing. I can't wait on that. And, and here's the best of all. So he's going to be on the giant screen on the 20th of August. But on the 17th of September, it's yes. the finals. Okay. QT Marshall is not going to be on the giant screen. He's coming to Montreal to be there live. And he's going to wrestle one of the guys that he eliminated during the competition. Well, that would be you know, for, a, for a consolation prize. That'd he's going to wrestle. Amazing. And then he's bringing one of his superstars over there. Uh, 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 anyway, she's a female wrestler. And she's going to be wrestling with one of my females that were eliminated during the show. Ooh, wow. Ashley D'Ambroise. Okay. And she's gonna so she's gonna be there to wrestle one of so they're both coming in together from a TV taping in uh in, in in the state. Yeah. And and they're gonna come fly into Montreal and they're gonna be judge in Montreal, but they're also gonna perform that night with one of the people they eliminated. So what a great opportunity for even someone who loses the competition has a chance to wrestle QT Marshall, you know, yeah, yeah, the night yeah. of the finals. No, you know, and, you know, there's there's two criterias. I'll always remember that when I started in the business. And my dad always told me that advice. There's two criterias. He says, 
to make it in this business, he says, you got to be at the right place at the right time, and you got to know the right people. And this wrestling academy, that's what they're doing. I don't have any working visas for my winners or nothing, but what I do have is three months that I'm taking you to Atlanta, where Cody Rhodes just finished WrestleMania main event this year and won the Royal Rumble. He's your teacher for three months. Billy Gunn, the Hall of Famer. QT Marshall, that's all over storylines all around the world right now. Yeah. He's your teacher. For yeah. three months, they're going to teach you five days a week. So so the first week you're going to be there, you're probably going to say, how you doing, Mr. Rhodes? How you doing, Mr. Marshall? And after a month, it's going to be like, hi, QT, hi, and then hi, Cody, and then hi, yeah. Billy. And yeah. then after two months, you may go have supper together. And after three months, you know, you 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 create magic, yeah. and, and 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 so that's the chance that I'm giving to all the Canadian talent. So I'm just like a, a trampoline to to bring them there, and hopefully, oh, if they absolutely. have something to, if they have something that they could show off and they could be better than them, or or just bring the eye, catch the eye of Cody Rhodes or Billy Gunn or QT Marshall, and then from there it's easy for them to sign them up and get the working visas and all that stuff. So what a great competition. This I'm so happy to just have created this with my girlfriend. Yeah. Just me and my girlfriend, we created this. And then the sponsors, you know, all the sponsors, you know, like this year I got $60,000 worth of sponsors. Wow. 30000 for the winners, the three winners of 10000 plus the airfares, the hotels. You know, without them, I, I couldn't have done that. So, so, so it's just awesome, Mr. Rougeau, You got me thinking that I need to hop on a plane and come down to Montreal for at least the finals if I can make it. I'm going to try. Well, if you can't, if you're like the average person and you yeah. don't have time, wrestling-academy.ca. Go check out the first two quarterfinal yep. shows are on there, okay. and on the 20th of August, the semifinals. Give me three, four days after that because we edit the show and sure, stuff. Sure. So the show's the 20th of August, but around the 24th or 25th of August, you'll see it appear on wrestling academy.ca, awesome. the semifinals. Awesome. And that's going to be so awesome. And then you get on the 17th of September. So put it around the 21st or 22nd of September, four or five days later, you'll be able to go follow the whole competition to see how it went, you know, and then who's that's going phenomenal. to Atlanta. It's, it's, it's really real. You should see the talent yeah. from out west that we got. You know, it's amazing, the talent. You'll see the shows. Yeah, you know, I know. We had a great show. We had a great show on the 7th of May, but the 4th of June that we had, go check the 4th of June show. Definitely. Holy mackerel. Wait till you see the talent on there. You and, know, now we'll the best, and now the best of the, the 7th of May are fighting the best of the 4th of June. That's on August 20th. That so the best wait. against the best. That's going to be something because QT Marshall is going to have a hell of a hard time to choose between those talents. And he's going to make dreams for people and he's going to create a lot of sadness in the one that he's going to eliminate. No, because, for sure. Because, you know, $10,000 and three hey. months at the Nightmare Factory. No, absolutely. Okay, so for the listeners, what criteria do you guys use to judge the talent? What What are you guys looking for? Well, that's what I mean. You're going to look at them. Before they get in the ring, they have a 30-second promo. They have a 30-second promo that they have to do on the stage before getting in the ring. So we're going to judge to see if they're marketable, if they can market themselves, if they're good on the mic. Right. And then we're going to look at their costumes. We're going to see if they're marketing themselves. They have logos, if you can recognize them, if their merchandise could happen. Then you're going to look, of course, at their wrestling ability. That's Absolutely. one thing. And then you're going to look at their, their charisma to see if – and a lot of people ask me, well, well Mr. Rougeau, what is charisma? Well, I'll tell you what charisma is. If people don't know what it is, I'll tell you what it is in Please a do. simple way. You go in a restaurant, and they have wrestling on the giant screens there you know, when you move in the restaurant. And then you look at the giant screen, you see the wrestlers, and then you go and you sit down. 
Or you go in the restaurant, you look at the screen, and you see the wrestler, and then after you look at the wrestler, you just stop. And you just watch. And there's something drawing you to them. That's charisma. That's charisma. Yeah. If they could get your attention like that, then you don't even know them. You're just looking at them, and they're like, "If that's what I call charisma. And, and when you have that, you draw people's look. You draw people towards you. And, and so we're looking for those criterias to, to, to pass you to the next round. Who does it best? And you know what's okay. funny about this competition? What's really good is a lot of great wrestlers, female and males, have a reputation before coming to the night of the show. Yeah. But you know what? You're only as good as your last match. Absolutely. You can have the biggest reputation in the world, but that night when you get in the ring, that's when you're judged. Not for yeah. what you've done in the past, no. but what you're doing right now that night. And in wrestling, it's so fun. It's so funny because I'm wrestling 25 days a month. Sometimes I'd wrestle with the same guys night after night. And some nights were just better than others, but we yeah. do the same thing. But just some nights were good nights and some nights were bad nights. And so so anybody can have a good night or a bad night. And once in a blue moon, you can have an exceptional night. 100%. So you just, want to hope, you just hope that it's on the 20th of August. Absolutely. That you have an exceptional uh, life. Now, you guys are, all the judges are very well tuned, very well versed, and very well educated in what you're looking for and what have you. Uh, I asked this question because fans will be present, obviously. Um, a lot of shows I've gone to independently and I've seen on television, sometimes I find that some shows aren't that great, but they look great because the crowd is so into it. Um, again, just because of the way I see the product myself yep. personally, right? Yep. Whereas yep. I've seen shows where the product was amazing, but the crowd wasn't into it, which didn't give it the credit it needed. Do you guys look at that as well as a part of the judging criteria or, or you know what I mean? Well, to be honest with you, I, I, everybody's going to say the same thing, so I yeah. won't be any different. But in sure. Montreal, we got the greatest fans of all. I, and we you saw know, that in February. And the fun thing about it, well, everywhere you live, you're going to say that. So that's yeah. not a problem. That's not an issue here. But what is the, the thing that makes it so amazing is that all we're taking, we have all the best wrestlers around Canada now, from Vancouver to Calgary to Alberta to, to Manitoba, Saskatchewan. We yes. got all the 10 problems, the best wrestlers. Yes. So, so when you look at them locally, when they have independent shows, uh, independent companies local in each province, you have a certain amount of talent, a certain amount of okay wrestlers, and some that need to learn. But when you're going in a competition like this, it's the best of every province. Right. So everybody's surprised to see the, the, the talent there and impressed and amazed about all the talent. So so it's like, you know, you're going to have a hell of a show. Yeah. So it's, and, and the fun, the best thing of this show, the best, best thing of the show is everybody knows that wrestling is a work. Everybody is, okay, it's a storyline. Yeah. But the greatest thing about this show, this reality show, is you don't know who QT Marshall is going to choose. Yeah. And from the beginning, wait till you watch and you see the shows of the 4th of June and the 7th of May. You're going to see sometimes I'm calling for some winners, but QT Marshall's calling for somebody else. And we have a running gag now because I start telling him, you know, QT Marshall, you're a funny kind of guy, you know, because he doesn't pick the same people I do. So you never know what the coach, what QT Marshall is going to be looking, what you're going to draw him into. And, and, and Jeremy Prophet, the winner, is a commentator with me. What a great commentator, by the way. He's with yeah. me this year, and 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 you'll see that the, that that he's he's so great in the commentary because he wrestled most of all the talent in Canada, and he won last year. So he's be able to he talk about the participants more personally and stuff like that. But even me and him, we choose winners, and then we pass the torch to QT Marshall on the giant screen, and he decides. We That's just awesome. give our comments. 
And then sometimes you'll see he doesn't agree at all with us. And so so that's what makes this competition amazing. And that's why I think that that the talent enjoy this competition because even if you're an underdog or even like if you don't have exactly what it takes, he has a wrestling school where he may see something that, okay, you're not perfect there, but I could coach you. Are you coachable, you know, and stuff like that. So so it's an amazing contest. So this contest, this contest, what the fun about it is, what I'm trying to say is we don't know who's going to win. No. And that's fun. That's yeah. fun because you can feel it in the comments, in the commentating, yeah. and yeah. in the show. No, 100%. I'm looking forward to this. Um, this is going to be amazing. Everybody, you got to check these out. We will make sure to post all these links in our description so everyone can go well, there and you. check all of this. Absolutely. Uh, Mr. Rougeau, I want to say thank you so much. I know you have a million things going on. Uh, so I, I will wrap this up here just to kind of put it all together. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to share your story and to share this great competition that's happening in our wonderful country here. Um, is there anything you'd like to say to the world and to I just want to say thank you to all those fans all across Canada and all across the world watching this podcast that uh, without you guys, I never could have made it. I never would have been who I am without you guys. And especially the podcasters like you that give me the opportunity to expose this competition. And then, and without you guys, I wouldn't be there. And so, you know, Rome wasn't created in one day and Rome wasn't created by one person only. And, and, and so thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. Thank you. And be able to share this, I, I'm going to just ask you to put that wrestling-academy.ca at the bottom of your screen. Go check that out. You can also go check my Facebook, which you'll see me and my girlfriend, the picture of me and my girlfriend. Go, because I put a lot of stuff about the talent and interviews yeah. and stuff they do. You'll be, you'll see. And plus, I talk about my Comic-Cons and everywhere I go to sign autographs, my tour in Canada that I'm yeah. doing shortly so you'll be able to catch up and see if you want to come see me take a Absolutely. picture with me or something so so thank you very much uh, samson for 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 this great show and uh and then say hi to your buddy that didn't show up there uh, yeah uh <laughs> chance a chance unfortunately chance uh his schedule sometimes, bad chance, a bad chance hey, sometimes the schedule is such man i uh but you know what the show like you you know yourself sir the show must go on yes we don't, sir, we, don't we don't we don't miss a beat we carry on and uh you know what Thank you as well, because without you, without all the legends and the superstars that I grew up with, I wouldn't be doing a podcast today. So, I mean, that that everything I do today is because of everything that I got to embrace and, and, and love my whole life. So thank you so much, sir. And I would love to have you back on once the competition is over and we can talk about the winners and everything right. else. You know, we would love to do that. And who knows, maybe Sam Chance might be in Montreal for the finals as well. We'll, we'll that would never be know. Awesome. That would be awesome. Fantastic. We'll have a place for you. That's for sure. I'll reserve you a nice seat, the VIP Thank you, seat. sir. In the meantime, hello to Vancouver and Canada all over and uh, – and wrestling-academy.ca. Go follow this competition. It's the biggest competition on the planet right now. Absolutely. And in the words of the infamous Ed Whalen, in the meantime and in between time, everybody, that's it for Sap and Chance. Big shout out to Mr. Jacques Rougeau, the Mountie, the Quebecer, tag team champion, intercontinental fabulous champion, Rougeau and the fabulous <laughs> Rougeau brothers. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> thank you so much. Have a wonderful night, sir. Thank Take you. care.